seemed like we walked for hours, and then uh, boom, we were we hit upon by by snipers. That's when you know the realization was that hey, buddy, you you're in it. You you're really in it. In high school, Charles Nichols wanted desperately to be a Marine. He wanted to go to Vietnam. He believed then, as he believes today, that American military intervention in Vietnam was a just cause. What he could neither believe nor accept half a century ago was the depth of anger and resentment directed at U.S. servicemen returning from combat. It exploded his temper, so much so that he exchanged punches with anti-war protesters. And for that, on a couple occasions, he spent the night in jail. In the combat world of Vietnam, Charles was surrounded by death. He lost friends in battle, to the enemy and to friendly fire. He lives today with that lasting trauma, but in the years since his service, Charles has found that changing attitudes towards vets and their service is a helpful medicine. This is his story. As a 17-year-old, you decided you wanted to enlist, and and part of that motivation was you wanted to go to Vietnam. Yes. Yes, it was. Why did you want to go to Vietnam at a time well, when a lot of the sentiment in the country was turning very sour on our mission there? One, I wanted to be a Marine all my life. And watching what was going on in Vietnam and, and the the requests from our, our country to, you know, to, to go and help this, this broken down country. It sounds like something that a Marine should do. I just, I just felt that, you know, if, if I did this, it would one, keep them, you know, from, from coming over here. And, and it would also help the, the country to be, you know, to become a, a democratic nation. And those were the things I, I, I thought about, you know, what if, what if it was us? What if it was us that needed this type of help? Would a Marine come and give us the, the type of help that we needed? And those things were my motivation. What was it that inspired you be, to be a Marine? I, I watched uh, uh, military pictures as I was growing up. And John Wayne at the time was probably one of the toughest guys on television. And he came on as a Marine one time. And I decided right then I wanted to be to be a Marine and be the best, you know, be the best that I could be. These guys were were what our country depended on. And I wanted to be that. Well, you're seventeen, you want to enlist. At seventeen you have to have your parents' permission. So you go to your mom and you say, Mom, I want to enlist, and what'd she say? She said no. <laughs> An emphatic no. Mom said no. And what'd you and do? What'd you do about that? I went back again, and I took the, the exam and, and everything. And, and the guy told me, he says, "Well, when you turn eighteen, you can come back and enlist on your own." So I did that, and I, I had turned eighteen just prior to getting out of high school. So I went on and I enlisted. And right after high school, I, you know, I, I left. Well, you went through basic, and then you get your orders that will send you to Vietnam. What were you thinking then? You know now this is going to be the real deal. Well, I second thought myself. I said, oh, boy, 
This is something I wanted to do, but now that it's here, how am I going to handle this? But as you know, as God does with everything, it gives you directions, and and my direction was to go ahead and fulfill your obligation. So you had a bit of self-doubt, though. Yes, I did at first, yes. When you arrived in country, what were your first experiences there? Fear. Yeah, yeah. My, my first one was fear. I, I, as, as the big American Airlines plane was starting to come down and they announced that we were getting ready to land in Da Nang, you know, you, you could hear, you could actually hear fire. You know, gunfire, whether it was mortars or whatever it was, you could actually hear it from the, you know, from the plane. You know, fear, fear set in, fear set in, and 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 wonder as to what it, what it, okay, what am I into now? What did I get myself into? So, how do you switch gears then and get yourself back on focus, and remove the fear? I, I guess because the guys that that you're with, and that you're going to support, are dependent on you. That's something that, you know, you, you, you can't you can't let down. As a Marine, you're taught to be one unit. And these guys were dependent on us newcomers coming in to give them the support that they needed. For me, it was a natural kick in to what you had to do. Well, once you get organized, you get, your, you get with your unit, you get situated. What's your mission? Do they explain to you exactly what you're going to be doing and where you're going to do it? My mission was to to help free this country of, com- of the communist regime that was uh, empowering them and to be the support you know, that, that your country sent you there to be for. Is it your mission to be, you're gonna be doing search and destroy? That, that's, the, that's your initial work? Yes, yes it, it was. And whereabouts are you in Vietnam at that point? You land in Da Nang and then where do you go? Oh, we, we did areas such as uh, Quang Tree and Dok To. We, we even traveled as far as, uh, you know, close to, close to the DMZ. So what is Charles Nichols thinking about when he experiences his first combat? Do you remember that vividly? Oh, yes. Yes. It was, it was a fear that I had, you know, a realization that I may not come out of this. It, it was a fear that set over me. Quite naturally, I had never experienced. It made it really made me wonder would I would I be able to get out of this? You know, you 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 hear and you and in some instances you've even seen guys coming back from the front lines mangled, you know, unable to see and so many so many you know different things and those things go to go through your head right then and there. Oh man, am I am I, am I going to be able to come out of this, you know, I, I don't care what anybody says, that initial contact is, is fear. Once those bullets, you, you, you hear these bullets hitting and popping around you, it's, it, it, it's, it's a fear and a sound that you never forget. But you, you, you realize that you have to continue on because it's, you're on a mission, you have a mission. Do you remember where you were when that first combat came? Yeah, it was right outside right outside of uh, Da Nang. It seemed like we walked for hours, and then, uh, boom, we were we hit upon by, by snipers. That's when, you know, the realization was that, hey, buddy, you're, you're in it. 
you know, you're really in it. And uh, these guys aren't playing. Since I, w- I was struck with your your description of you're you're in foxholes and there's a mail call going on and you have to come out of your foxhole at the risk of being shot to get your mail. Would you describe that? Oh yeah, that's where one of my closest uh, buddies was was shot and killed, and it it rings quite clear to this day. In, in order to get your mail. The helicopters drop your mail in in bags. Usually it's a night drop, and you you have one guy that is the mail, this mail guy. He's in a foxhole. When that mail drop drops, he goes out, he collects his mail, goes back to his hole, and in his hole he reads out the names. You have to leave your hole, run over to that foxhole, grab that mail, and back to yours. In doing so. It was, it was, it was chaos. It was chaos because we were we were being hit by snipers every once in a while. A sniper would fire around in to make you get down. And this particular day, they called out my my buddy's name, John, John Johnson. Called John's name, and John took off from the foxhole and ran to the uh, mail guy. Got his, ran back. Well, there was a second letter for John. Guy called John back. John ran to the foxhole, and as he as he approached it, he was hit. He was hit in the head and, and dropped dead right there. Well, we couldn't we couldn't go and get John because every time somebody would stick their head out to try to go out to give John some help. The sniper would pin us back down. And that went on literally for hours. But John laid out there and that we, you know, we, we, we tried to get out there to him. That to me was one of the worst days that I, I experienced in Vietnam. Because John and I were very, very close. And his mom, we, his mom and I would even communicate through the mail. And after John was, was killed, I got a letter from her asking where was I, was I near John and you know, so on and so forth. That was that was one of the most traumatic days in Vietnam for me. And that had to be a terribly hard letter to write to John's mom. It was truly, truly hard. When you say heartbreaking, it was heartbreaking. Yes. So you wrote to uh, you wrote to John's mom. Did she respond to you? Yes, she did. Okay. And, and in fact, uh, we spoke of uh, me escorting uh, his body home, but that was that was something that didn't materialize. You know, because let's face it, we were in a combat zone, and you know they just didn't let you up and leave to do something like that. That must have been awfully frustrating, being pinned down, knowing that he's out there and you're not able to get to him for a day. It, it eats at your gut like, you know, I, I guess like a bad tumor would, you know. 
you get frustrated, you hollow, you, yeah, it, it, it eats at you. It eats at you. point you come home on leave and you get a a real taste of the anger that's been building over Vietnam and it's aimed at you as you walk through the airport yeah would you describe that for me you come home and you're expecting the the gratitude of those around you because I was in uniform when I when I came home but instead of that Outside of the arriving gate were, were protesters. It, it was just, man, it was, it was unbelievable. It was protesters and, and they were yelling at you, you were baby killers. And, and I got spit at. When I did that, it, I don't know, it just set off a light. Uh, because it, was, it wasn't something I was going to accept. Here it is, I'm going 20-something thousand miles to fight to keep this from coming here to the, to our country and to help another country and the people the people of my own country was you know was rebelling against us for doing things that that would keep democracy here i i went off i, I truly went off I, I attacked you know as the crowd was attempting to to get at us i i struck out like any any other veteran that that had experienced what we had experienced, we struck we struck back. So you threw some punches. Oh, without a doubt. Well, this was when you first came home. This was my first, yeah. And, and that wasn't that, that wasn't the first time, right? You you got into some fisticuffs with the people who gave you some grief. Yeah, even uh, uh, in my first tour, I I would be out, and uh, subject of Vietnam would come up or. or People would see you in uniform, especially downtown. Two of my instances occurred downtown where people would get up in, in your face and, and, and talk about how, how wrong it was for us to be in Vietnam and, and whatnot. And I, I, I spent uh, one or two of my, my nights home in jail because I, you know, I, I got in fights. I, I just would not accept, you know, any, any kind of... Uh, rhetoric about, you know, what we were doing and, and why we were doing it. I, I couldn't understand why people didn't realize that we're doing this to keep this from coming here, to help free somebody else that, that wanted to be free, just like with, with, with slavery. People wanted to be, people want to be free, to be able to make decisions, of, you know, on their own. So and, this and, became such an issue for you that you went to your mom and you said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back for another tour in Vietnam." Yes, I did. I did. What Still was your, What was your logic? What were you thinking then? That if if I stayed if I stayed here in my in my own country fighting people that that I'm defending, then I would want I more than likely would wind up killing somebody. So I I, I told my mom I said, "Well, you know, mom, I'm." I'm going back because at least if I go there and I kill somebody defending something, it would be it's legal. And how did how did she react to that? Didn't want me to go. Didn't want me to go. It, it 
try to ignore, you know, the ignorance of these people. But that was, it, it wasn't something that I could do. back for your second tour and there's an experience that you have maybe perhaps it was on your first tour you you're you're on patrol and you've got a, a, a friend on point and he's shot and you don't know it at that point in time but there is another unit of marines coming in your direction from the opposite way Yes. So there is a friendly fire casualty. There's a, I mean, you don't know they're there. They don't know you're there. And there are bullets exchanged. And one of the tragedies of war is that occasionally there is a friendly fire fatality. And that's what happened. Yes. Yeah, we're, it was a morning routine patrol. And uh, we were told that we, we would probably encounter some contact with the Viet Cong in, in a certain area. Oh, we're patrolling that area. We hear shots being fired. We assume that it's the Viet Cong. We continue down this, this trench line. It was a very narrow trench line that we we're going down. Jerry was at point, and Jerry was a white guy. I was a black guy, and we had we had become super close you know when guys are, are in chaos like vietnam you you there was no no color barrier there that was we depended on each other and in going down this this trench line we we hear the fire jerry continues on and then the the, the gunfire gets heavier and we start taking incoming fire we return fire to tree line area that we assume that is coming from. And in the same instance, we we hear a call for corpsmen up. Corpsmen start up and get up to the front. The fire stops. Our radio man is on the radio calling in. The fact that we're receiving fire and come to find out that the incoming fire was from another Marine unit that was coming in the direction that we were going in. So we were coming on to each other head on. And in, in matter moments after the radio calls and the, and the fire ceased, we find out that our, our point man was hit. And then a few minutes later, it, it's determined that he's, he was killed. So this was, so, so Jerry was the one who was hit and the victim of friendly fire. Yes, he was. How, after something like that, when the when the shooting ceases, you realize what's happened. How do you wrap your mind around that? Oh man, I, I can't even tell you what we were thinking at the time, but it was. I mean, you, you you're just so broken up of the fact that you know you, you you just lost another marine, and then to find out that it was from friendly prior I, I don't know it just it just tear it just tears you up it just tears you up the fact you know the the fact that you or, or another one of your 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 marines killed a marine 
man, it, it, it's hard. It's, it's hard to accept. We're more than 50 years down the road now, and I wonder if over those years you've sat down and kind of tried to figure out how Vietnam, your experience there, changed you. Oh, I, yeah. One, it, it brought me, I went there as a, as a kid, 18-year-old, and I, I, I came back as a, as a, a man that, that had experienced more than the average 18-year-old would have experienced in a lifetime. It, it, it made, it, I tell you what, it, it, it made me realize that nothing, nothing, nothing in this world is free. In order to get something out of this world and out of this life, you got to put something in it. You know, they, they say that if you want to, to be something, you, you've got to, got to put yourself into it. Well, putting, putting myself into being a Marine and, and going to Vietnam gave me beliefs and not only in my, in myself, but in, in society, it, it just changed my whole perspective as to how things should and shouldn't be. There's a right and there's a wrong, and hopefully that you know this this experience made me stand up for what is right. Well, and you're also you're also dealing with uh, with your own PTSD, right? You've got uh, some moments when. All of a sudden, you're back. You're back, and you're in Chicago, but you're back in Vietnam. Yes, yes. And you had one with your—I believe it was your uncle. You're sleeping, and he comes in contact with you, and you kind of wake up with a start and grab him. Yeah, yeah. It, it hurt my heart something tremendously. I, I'm, I'm sleeping. I, I think I was home on leave. I was sleeping, and, and my my uncle came in to wake me up. He came in and pressed me on my, my shoulder to wake me up. And I, I, I grabbed this man and, and my God, I, <laughs> you know, I, I, I literally tried to kill him. It was just, it, it was a, a reaction. It was a, a reaction of, of, of protecting myself because I don't know. I guess at that at that moment, I I was still in Vietnam. Yeah. So he says to you, uh, "Easy, Charles. Easy. You know, take it easy. Let me go." And then you yeah. snap to it, and you realize the situation you're in, and you release him. And when yeah. you when you come to, do you have a moment where you say to yourself, "I'm going to need some help." I I did. I, I I truly did. And what, what did you do about it? I, I started talking to other veterans. Started talking to other veterans, and and that was that was my my relief. Talking to somebody that had experienced what you know what I had experienced was a medicine, you know. Because how can you discuss something with somebody that haven't experienced something like that? My medicine was. You know, was, was talking to other guys. And still to this day, still to this day, I'll have a, an occasional dream that will take me back. But I go to the VA at least at least twice a month, and I'm around other guys that 
even to this day, we, we talk about our, our experiences. And with most most Vietnam veterans, uh, something during the course of the day is going to take you back. Some couple conversations, something on TV, something is going to take you back you know, to a discussion about Vietnam. So in 1986, you've been home for a while, of course, by then. And there's a good bit of medicine that comes your way with the Welcome Home Parade in Chicago. And you went to that. Yeah. And that was therapeutic for so many people, and I know it was therapeutic for you. It, it was super, super therapeutic. I, I ran into at least two guys that uh, I hadn't seen. One I was in boot camp with. And I hadn't seen him since boot camp, but in '86, it was it was one of the most beautiful days that, that I had experienced in my life. Now imagine a, a wellspring of tears for you too that day. Oh, what if I had never seen so many grown men cry. I had never seen, it It was such a, I don't know, it was such a happiness for guys to get together and women to get together to to just see each other and, and, and to be thankful, I guess, to be alive and together again. So then in, in the, you, you have another dose of good medicine that comes along and it it waits some more years but it's July 2019 when you go on your Honor Flight Chicago mission one of the most fantastic days in my life one of the most fantastic days in my life and I'm so appreciative to Honor Flight for giving us the honor and the the, man the the praise that, that you know, that, that a grateful nation should have given us when we came home. I, I Now, you're talking about tears. Tears of joy is, is what I experienced that day. Memories and, and, and guys that, that were on that flight to just put everything into such a, such a vivid, thankful, you know, perspective. This was your first time in Washington, D.C., your first yes. time at the Wall. I'm sure you've re- you'd read about the Wall. Yes. But being there is different than reading about it. So when you walked up to the, to the Wall, did you stand there for a good bit of time and just take it oh, in? Yes. I, I stood there, and I stood there, and I, I touched it, and, and I... I traced my buddy's name and, and I shed a few tears and just things just went back to to Vietnam went, went back to Vietnam but you're there with with your mates you're there with other guys who were in Vietnam so once again it's a bonding experience you're able to share things with people who were there and have some notion of what you've gone through. 
and that's really important. Oh, I don't know. It it it, it was a feeling that that's beyond compare. Guys hugging guys and 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 tears, tears of sorrow, tears of joy, and and experiencing. You know, you 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 didn't even have to say anything to to each other. Just to look into each other's face, saying that man, I'm 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 glad I'm glad you're here. I'm, I'm glad you made it. It was just beyond compare. So at the day's end, you get back on the plane and and you you come home to Chicago and you had the water cannon going there and the fire department is greeting you and you you come off the plane and and uh, and the people are in the terminal and they're cheering you and that had to be really powerfully emotional for you it was super emotional it was super emotional like i said i'm not a i'm not a crier but just to be thankful for people realizing what we went through back then and for it to take so long to just say thank you it, it, it was just super super it was amazing it was just amazing you're going to cherish that day, aren't you? Oh, for the rest of my life. I'll take it I'll take it to my grave. Well, you're not a crier, but you did that day, I bet. I I did. I did. Well, I am I'm glad that you had the experience you had that day. And when you came home to hear the cheers and to be with your buds was awfully important. I'm glad you had that. I am too, and I can't, uh, I can't thank Honor Flight enough. I, I just hope that all the rest of the veterans are able to experience it because it is an experience of a lifetime, an experience of a lifetime. Charles, welcome home. Thank you, thank you. Welcome home to you. We hope you found today's Honor Thank Inspire episode to be moving and meaningful. If you did, please consider sharing this podcast and make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The impact Honor Flight Chicago has on the lives of our veterans and their families is made possible by the generosity of our donors. To support our mission, to find our veteran application, to volunteer, or simply for more information, please visit us at honorflightchicago.org.